Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. And welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 354. Uh, we are doing it again this year, the second annual Course of the Forest, leading up to San Diego Comic-Con. It is a charity event we do for the Make-A-Wish Foundation with Lucasfilm, where we basically run a lightsaber, Olympic torch style, all the way down the California coast. Last year, we started in Santa Monica and then up in San Diego. This year, we are starting at Skywalker Ranch. So if you go to starwars.com slash course of the force, you can sign up. Uh, that money that you pay for your run segment goes uh, 100% to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Last year, we were able to grant uh, around 1,000 wishes for, for Make-A-Wish kids. And so we are, we are aiming to do better this year. So come, come and cosplay. Uh, we have parties along the way. Uh, it'll be seven days, July 9th through the 16th. Again, starting at Skywalker Ranch, going down the California coast and hitting San Diego. So, join us. Join us. Now, this episode of the Nerds Podcast was brought to you by Shutterstock.com. Uh, Shutterstock is uh, basically a website where it's an archive of the most amazing uh, video, stock footage, uh, anything you need if you're doing a website, advertisement, multimedia presentation. You can choose from over 700,000 high-quality video clips, 2D animations, 3D animations. They have clips in digital formats, HD. They add 10,000 video clips every week. So every time you visit, you're going to find something uh, that you're into. So uh, you can search, you can drill down by category, clip resolution, contributor. You're going to find the video assets you're looking for. So don't spend a lot of money to have to go out and shoot your own stuff if you just need something for a presentation. Go to Shutterstock.com. Uh, there's no credit card needed. You're going to sign up for an account. You're going to start using Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project would look like. And then save your video selections you find to your clip box. And once you decide to purchase, use the offer code NERDIST5. New accounts will receive 30% off any package. That is Shutterstock.com. For 30% off new accounts, use the offer code NERDIST5. This episode is Rod Roddenberry, son of Gene Roddenberry, creator of uh, a show called Star Trek. It's a sci-fi show from the 60s that you may have heard of. Uh, actually, Into Darkness opens May 17th. But uh, Rod came on with John Champion, who hosts uh, in the Nerdist Network Mission Log, which basically they go through episode by episode and break down in chronological order 
Uh, well, the plan is to do every Star Trek episode, every iteration <laughs> uh, that, that they've ever done. But right now, they're on uh, the original series, TOS, we call it. And uh, they're ju- they've just started breaking down the second season. So, Mission Log, available on the Nerdist Network. And uh, Rod, I feel like I met Rod many years ago when I first became friends with Ho-Will Ho-Eaton. And, uh, and so, it was really cool to be able to sit down. It's been great working with them. And uh, kind of an honor... Uh, to have a Roddenberry podcast on the Nerdist Network. So here we go. We're going deep this episode, you guys. We are going deep down the Star Trek hole, uh, if you will. Star Trek hole sounds gross. I apologize. But uh, topically, that's what happens on the Nerdist podcast, episode number 354, with Rod Roddenberry and John Champion and Matthew Myra. Who knows a thing or a million about Star Trek? Now entering Nerdist.com. Podcast record. Oh, voice activated now, huh? Well, this is, we're doing a sort of a Star Trek episode. And you're wearing your... It's a computer. Oh, good. Are you geeking out? Expendable. Oh, nice. nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I got to represent, you know. Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> where's your... Why, why are you looking at me? What do you got? Where's, your, you got? where's your Star Trek I'm, shirt? Oh, sorry, I'm just... I, I'm just I'm well, he's kind of wearing a future shirt. He's got double buttons on there. That's kind of like in the future when they wear double ties in Back to the Future. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Same diff. Yeah. Same diff. Yeah. We're gonna go to Star Trek proms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is uh? Yeah. What is uh? What's his face wear? You know, not Sam and not Ziggy, but the other guy in Quantum Leap. Doesn't he wear like clear ties all the time? He has weird yeah. ties. Yeah. Yeah, there are clear ties. Over oh, Christopher yeah. Lloyd wore the clear tie in. Yeah, but he, he had a double tie, didn't he? Or am I confusing no, he, my he ties? He had a single tie. I'm confusing my ties. I'm confusing but my the Quantum Leap. The older McFly had the double. All right. Tie. Yeah. Fair enough. Guys, yeah, that, that's fashion of the future. That's what we're here to discuss on the Nerdist <laughs> Podcast, fashion of the future. <laughs> Call in with your thoughts. Uh, one tie, two tie, too many? Go ahead. Two Call ties. In. I'm listening. Uh, uh, Rod, thank, thank you guys so much for coming back, and thank you for doing the Mission Log podcast for us, which, of course, we'll talk about. Uh, if you haven't listened, you have a mission backlog. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of taking every episode of Star Trek in chronological order and breaking it down yeah. seems like a chore. It is. Oh, okay, good. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy for me. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not really? the one recording it. Oh, that's very true. I just get to watch the shows you, and say, hey. You, you pop in every now this? and then. You, we'll get the odd text, the odd Voxer message like, hey, what are you going to do with this episode? Yeah. And it was, no, 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 just leave it to us. Just, we'll just we'll recently, talk about it. Just, just recently. recently. Yes. We did uh, I, I Friday's think... Child. Yeah. Oh, what and do you do with that episode? What do you do with that episode? I don't know. I'm still reeling from These it. These guys did a good job. You know, there's so many times where I look at an episode and my I'm I'm trying to be critical about it. And I'm yeah. looking at this stuff and I'm trying to pull stuff out of it. And I can't. Mm-hmm. There's I'm like all right, so it's fun, but there's where's the message that all these fans keep talking about? Then I listen to these guys and they they do a good job of taking it apart. They're making fun of it. Yeah. Sure. Don't get me wrong. They're making fun of it. But they're they're pulling some things out of it. I'm like, hey, you know, I didn't see it that way. Good well, job. you introduce yeah. yourself so people know whose voice is whose. Right, oh, right. This this is Rod Roddenberry. And I'm John Champion. And John uh, does Mission Log Podcast, uh, which what uh, 
You're now. What episode are you on, Matt Myra? Uh, we're hey Matt. Uh, everyone knows hey. your voice. <laughs> oh Matt, hey. And they know mine. And you are okay. Uh, Dane Cook. Oh good. Wow. <laughs> Always wanted to meet you. Uh, aren't really, uh, really excited about skipping planes? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, movies are weird. <laughs> okay. Raw. And then I yell. <laughs> um, so uh, so mission log. What episode are you guys on right now? We're about to record the Deadly Years. Okay. And the message in that what spoiler mm-hmm. for those who haven't heard. Mm-hmm. Getting old is a bitch. It sucks. Getting old is really bad. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. That's you know. I, I have you watched it? I haven't yet, watched Rod? it. Yet. You well, I've seen yet. it before, but that yeah, was you... probably like five, ten years ago. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we're we're you know in the early stages of uh, season two, and mm-hmm. and it, it's good, but there are some rocky episodes in there. I'm not going to lie. And Piece uh, of the action. Well, I, it, see, do you, do you think piece of the action is really that rocky? I mean, it's, it's incredibly it's campy and enjoyable. You see, there you go. Yeah. It, it's more like when Star Trek looks like Batman. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Nazi Planet. Yep, Nazi Planet. You know, that was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were going to hit a few of those. Yeah, sure. And then by the end of it, we're going to get to Space Hippies, which actually I will defend. I'm, I'm kind of okay with Space Hippies. I had, uh, that was one of the early episodes we did for Star Trek, which is the show I do here at Meltdown, where we watch uh, not the best episodes of Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> of the next generation. Over them. Well, not just the next generation. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was, I no, it was we, just well, next generation. At uh, Damien Lindelof's request, we watched the Space Hippie episode. Okay. Nice. Which, uh, let me tell you, even talking over it, not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Well, that, that, that's kind of the, the tough part. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the charge that you've given us. Me and Ken Ray, who's not here, but Ken, who's my uh, co-host on Mission Log, is to watch every episode and try to figure out just what the hell is it all about. So we'll watch it. We'll make fun of yeah. it. We'll call it out for having terrible pacing or terrible effects or whatever the case may be. But we'll also praise it when it's really good. And then we spend the last part of the show trying to figure out what are they trying to say. And very often, there's not really a message but there's kind of an interesting character exploration or an ethical dilemma or something like that yeah really to that point when i watched them as a little kid i just enjoyed them yeah and you know i'd meet all these fans and they say star trek changed my life i had messages had meetings and i you know i was very impressed by that so so we are going back we're watching them but i have to say i'm really kind of i don't know if disappointed is the word but Mm -hmm. little surprised that they don't have all the messages that i thought they would they don't have as much sometimes there's moral dilemmas yeah but, you know, every now and then there's some good ones. They're not all great. You find yourself, I think you find yourself remembering yeah. the good ones. I mean, yeah. you just remember, you know, Spacey. Well, and, and here's the thing, though, but when we get to the end of it, so I really want to do this, at the end of the original series and then at the end of Next Gen, at the end of Voyager and every series, we want to do kind of a, a look back yeah. and figure out what are the big themes here? Because Ken and I are having this constant argument on the mm-hmm. show, much of the chagrin of our listeners. John, about, uh, John yes. what is happiness? Wow! Oh, yeah, yeah. See that—that's where we are because Frozen, Captain, Captain Kirk. Just wait just, till you get to Brain and Brain. What is Brain? Oh no! <laughs> I just watched that the other day. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, Kirk will just come in and go. Oh, okay, this is a a happy, though not progressive, group of people on this planet. We should take away everything they have. We should destroy their computer. We should take away the spores that are making them happy. We should just stop whatever it is that's making them happy, so they can fight to yeah. be happy so they can struggle you know? they, can, they can earn it yeah exactly it wouldn't be yeah. so much better to earn it and, and you know Ken, Ken's very much on the side like if there's a spore if there's a happy spore for him to take he'll take it yep. if you can upload his consciousness into a robot body he'll take it he's there <laughs> oh, I'm, not uh, I'm not are you there I'd gladly yeah. be one of Mud's women okay. <laughs> <laughs> would one of, you one of Mud's women yeah sure would uh, you throw me in whatever body you can I don't would know. you want uh, to live in the Nexus 
Yeah, wouldn't you uh, want to live in the Nexus? No. No? no. Yeah, no. Not at all. I got Why? news for you. Whoopi's yeah. not always there. <laughs> okay, well, in, in, in your case. Nexus, she's not there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, Why would you not want to live in the Nexus? Well, I, the Nexus may be its own. I, we'll, we'll get to that one. But let's. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast. We're there now. Okay. <laughs> all right. We're there. All right. But if you look at all these examples the, the spores and uh, the, the robot god Val that, mm-hmm. that's controlling the people in the apple and all this stuff. And I, Kirk goes in and basically says, yeah, th- this isn't real. So you can't have this. And the Nexus is one of those examples mm-hmm. of it's not real. And, well, some people impose themselves into it, but some people are thrown into it without the desire well, to be there. And well, once they're there, what do they do? Captain Kirk rides horses. The Nexus was yeah, real. Well, the Nexus was real, but, but, but Kirk's experience of it wasn't real. He was just sort of there going like, oh, wait, I, I, was, I was frying eggs. I was riding horses. What do I do now? He wait, I'm a been, starship He captain. would have been content, though, had uh, Picard not shown up and ruined But when Picard <laughs> showed up and said, hey, remember you used to save the universe? Yeah. And Kirk's like, yeah, I used to do He's that. like, that's Professor X. Cool. <laughs> but then what, <laughs> what he could here? have done had he thought about it, he'd been like, yeah, you're right. And then just imagined himself on the bridge of the Enterprise, and then everything's happy. So it'd be like the Nexus version of the bridge. Yeah, just, he'd just be wow. on the bridge. Yeah, maybe actually way too much. Professor X wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Professor X was better. It was like, weren't you in Dune? Like that would have been a better one. <laughs> That's better. where I remember or him Excalibur. from. Excalibur. Yeah, Dune or Excalibur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they yeah. cast him for the Next Generation, that's how I remember the guy from Dune. Wow. Is it yeah. all right? Patrick has looked uh-huh. the same for the last for thirty decades. years. Yeah, like exactly when you look at him in Dune or you look at him in Excalibur. Yeah. He still looks the same. Well, it's funny yeah. too is if you read like uh, the, the the his bio that it came up on one episode of TNG. Uh, his age wise, Captain Picard. By the time Nemesis is happening, the character of Jean Luc Picard is like seventy eight years old. Oh wow! wow. By the time that's wow. happening, because he's that did, old. Did you guys did you see that picture going around the internet? That it was a picture of uh, oh I know Janeway. exactly. Yeah, it, it oh, was no, no, Shat- no, it, it was Shatner. It was Kate Mulgrew. And uh, I forget Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks, and, and then uh, Jean Luc Picard, Patrick yeah. Stewart, and it said like you know which Enterprise had a gym, and it, you, there's Patrick Stewart looking fit and buff at like 80 years old yeah. or whatever. He's not 80, but no, he's yeah. in his he's 70s, getting, right? Getting, right? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting there, and everybody else is looking a little uh, a little worse for wear. Yeah, that might, but the one that I yeah. saw that was going around on Reddit the other day was. Uh, how to piss off four groups of nerds in one picture, and it was uh, it had a picture of Patrick Stewart and in quotation marks it said "Use the Force, Harry," <laughs> yes, and then underneath yes. it said "Gandalf." <laughs> <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. But do you think uh, I sort of look at Star Trek as uh, and and not to not to always. Well, I'm not even the, the Star Wars Star Trek being. I don't know why that's become uh, the dividing thing where yeah. people are like. Or, you, you know, I guess I get interviewed yeah. a lot, and they're like, Star Trek or Star Wars? And I'm yeah. like, they're not the same. One is a fairy tale, yeah, and the other one is basically a sociopolitical military show, yeah, where it's kind of like, hey, the I mean, uh, for all intents and purposes, I know it's the United Federation of Planet, for all intents and purposes, the United States <laughs> right. is right. going around Where's NASA? the, the sea yeah, of the yeah, galaxy yeah. and just instilling good old-fashioned American values in people who usually don't want them. Right. Uh, well, those Nazis needed them. <laughs> I think I said on a recent episode, we will civilize you until it hurts. Yeah. And that, that's the mission of the Federation at that And yet, point. you yeah, know, yeah. I, I love... Uh, I was actually... I was a big fan of what... Uh, when when uh, when they went in and just, just added some light, they just tweaked the effects a little bit and released... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that series had a particular name, but it was basically they took the first season of the original Star Trek series, yeah. and they they did a very 
uh, low impact freshening up of the effects with just some right. light CG, which normally would scare the shit out of someone and go, what do you mean? But right. then you see it and you're like, oh, yeah. it's just for the wide shots of the ship. It's just for some well, shit going yeah, on in the background yeah. of the bridge. Phaser mm-hmm. shots, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's was all, yeah, it all, changing it all, the little. It all improved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and changing actually, the little, uh, the little rolling dials, yeah. making digital readouts. Yeah, 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 yeah stuff, like like stuff in the background. I love it. it was and really at no yeah. point yeah. did they make Greedo shoot first. At they did no not. point <laughs> right. did they go in and change anything like that. I love those. I mean, because when we watch the show for Mission Log, I mostly watch those. I mostly watch the HD. And yeah, and then you go back and you watch the old. I just went to a a TOS marathon where they watched every episode in order over the course of like four days or something. But they were watching the originals. Wow. And and the effects, uh, yeah, they, they don't always hold up, you yeah. know. <laughs> I, I love a model over CGI any day of the week. Sure. But, but, man, yeah, these are a little... God, those models, the, uh, they just like totally switched to CGI and Insurrection and those, those yeah. shots look terrible. Yeah. Well, in Voyager, they did the same thing. Yeah, kind of yeah, crept yeah. in, kind of yeah, in that. just yeah, not yeah. as not as pretty. Yeah. yeah, But this whole thing is 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 kind of uh, not just the idea that you're going through and doing this, but it must be interesting for you, Rod, because you. I mean, I, I know we, we have talked before, and you know, I think when you were young, your relationship with your yeah. dad was a little strained. And as you got like old, most of us, I imagine. I like most of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's oh, it's your dad. He's telling you to do stuff, and you're like, get off my back. You don't understand me. Yeah, the classic dynamic. But this whole thing is interesting because you are now you now seem to be afforded the opportunity to get to know your dad in a way that you didn't when you were younger. That yeah, it's actually really interesting. I've I've had a tremendous opportunity because traveling. Well, I was going to say the U.S., but the country, the 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 world, and meeting fans and learning about their perspectives in Star Trek um, really inspired me. And they're they're teaching me about the show and not just about the show, but about my father. And you know, I've got to take a lot of these stories on both extremes with a grain of salt. Um, because there's people who just praise my father and put him way up on a pedestal. And there's those out there who really didn't like working with or for him. So it's been great to sort of get all of those stories and, and kind of try to find the man in the middle. Was he a complicated uh, guy? Like, like the, was he the classic complicated writer who like just couldn't, didn't really connect with anyone? I'd, I'd say so. I'd say so. He definitely had a life on the set and he had a life off the set. You know, he had his Star Trek family and then he had his real family at home. And part of the journey that I kind of went on was like, which family did he like more? You know, which child was his child? And so it was kind of a, an emotional roller coaster to go through Well, this. Star Trek did what he told him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I did the exact opposite. Yeah, exactly. I did the exact. So opposite. I think we just answered that, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at what point? At what point did you start uh, really trying to? All right, maybe I should try to understand this, or you know, because a lot of people might have just been like, "Well, I'm done for, you know, done forever." Yeah. Uh, it was actually when he died. Um, as 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 upbeat as that comment is, um, it was at his memorial service, and I was still 17 and. I couldn't have given a rat's, you know what, and... Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, at, I mean, I did care that he had passed away. Yeah. Um, in fact, very much so. However, I still didn't get who he was and what oh, this I whole see. Star Trek thing gotcha. was. So when people went on stage and talked about the show that really inspired them and they told these amazing stories, I was really sort of blown away and I was sort of raw at the moment. So I listened and uh, began to explore and went to conventions and listened to fans. Didn't really get it until around then that Star Trek had this positive impact. It wasn't just science fiction. And so I went on this exploration and became very proud because I'd hear stories about how people would overcome uh, uh, adversity and, and like limitations that they put on themselves. So whether it was a, a handicapped person who sort of 
had a positive outview on the future or just some kid who was brought up saying that uh, you, you'll never be able to be something and then seeing Star Trek and then striving to become that something, to become someone who works at JPL or an astronaut. You know, that really excited me and blew me away and I became very proud and have since been trying to represent the family name in, in whatever way that I can. It must be it must be kind of strange though to I mean especially if you're a teenager and you're you kind of rebellious anyway and then you have this entity that is essentially a sibling that you sort of yeah. feel like oh that gets all the attention and I don't then you probably don't want to understand it because you're like fuck that thing you know like as a kid you you feel you sort of probably feel that to a degree. I, I had a thing with Will Wheaton. We we were never at each other's throats, but uh, you know I sat down. We had a heart to heart at one point talking about how he told me these stories about how my father would like kind of bring him into his office and like give him advice and and he really kind of looked up to my father as a second father figure to his own and had these wonderful stories and I kind of would hear this and I'd go like. I, I I never got to do that. Oh, man. Uh, it's not that I never did. I don't want to play the violin right. so loud, but I didn't have those experiences. So I got kind of jealous and almost pissed off at him. Yeah. And we had a great discussion about this, and he told me some amazing stories. So we're 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 on good terms. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. You can totally take Will. He's I a mean, sweet guy, but he doesn't know how to fight. Uh, <laughs> neither do I. You can take us both. <laughs> you can throw me at Will <laughs> and take us both out at the same time. But that is that is kind of a. Uh, I mean, was it? What What do you think it was about his about his brain that was just was it Was it because this 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 thing that he was making was this idealized? Well, if I can jump ahead, if I know what you're saying here. Yeah. My, my father had an amazing life. You know, he was a he was a bomber pilot in World War II and, and flew in the South Pacific and had like 70-some-odd missions. He was a, a police officer for the LAPD for a while. He uh, was a, a transcontinental pilot between uh, New York and Johannesburg. And he actually went down in an airline crash. Uh, he did not cause the crash. Um, but in the Syrian desert, and he led a bunch of people to safety. Grain of salt, man... grain of salt, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, he, he saw, you know, the best of humanity and the worst. So I think he really just pulled on what he'd seen in life, and he read. He was very intellectual. So I think he just pulled this all together and kind of created this idea of the future um, that just so happened a lot of other people agreed with. Well, it is when you look at shows like uh, we look at shows like Star Trek or Twilight Zone. Uh, you know, like like shows that are uh, sci-fi or fantastical in some way. It, if you do want to say something about the state of humanity, the 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 most effective way to do that is to separate it from reality, so that people don't so that people don't get offended or right. so they don't necessarily understand. Like, hey, this thing's got a message. This thing's trying to give right. me a message right. because you're like, oh, what do you mean? This is a space fantasy or. But, uh, no, no, the, the Twilight Zone, what are you talking about? Oh, it's just a show about uh, a crazy, mystical realm, you know. And so the idea that you can hold a mirror up to society with a, you know, with a, a fantastical thing is really uh, kind of particularly at that time and, you know, what socially what the country was, was going through. One of my favorite Gene Roddenberry quotes is uh, it was in the making of Star Trek. And he, he says, you know, this is really what it's all about is if you can learn to feel sympathy and empathy for a horda, for a, a, a thing that is as alien from you as it can get, then you can start to feel 
empathy for another human being who isn't like you. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's, that's one of the big messages that comes out of Star Trek. It's not in every episode. It's not all the time. But th that's exactly what you're talking about. You can totally remove the situation by making it science fiction. And then you get it. The, you know, when Kirk sees a hoarder and is like, oh, well, th this is just a mother trying to protect her babies. Mm -hmm. And we have an obligation to make sure that we don't screw this up. You know, and then you go, oh, yeah, 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 this was what we thought was a killing monster. But now we can change our point of view. And I love it when you and I talk about the show, Rod, and you say, like, yeah, this is a show that challenged my point of view. Or I wanted to I wanted to challenge my preconceived notions about something. And I, I got to do that through Star Trek. Don't always agree, maybe, with what the answer was. But uh, but that's really the fun of the show, because it's not always just banging you over the head with something moralistic, but there is sort of a choice or, or a moment of understanding that comes out of the show. Well, I mean, I even think at that time, though, just just the presence of Uhura on the bridge mm -hmm. yeah. as a crew member, it must have been challenging to some section of people yeah. socially in the, you know, in the 60s. And so that that was just an automatic like. Hey, this is, you know, like yeah. tolerant, be tolerant, be accepting, you know. We always have to wonder, like, it, it, Star Trek was on at a time where that stuff was happening in, in the world anyway. You know, they, it, we were just on those baby steps of making sure, particularly in, in big cities, it, you know, it, it, integration happened in places outside of the South, mm -hmm. obviously, before the late 60s. And... I, you know, you always have to wonder. It's like, well, did people watch that and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is what's happening? Or did people who were bigoted backwards, they watch this and they go, oh, okay, well, yeah, 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 that's nice with a TV show. But then they still carry on this sort of backward belief out in their real life. I don't know, but you know? I think what's important is young people watching it yeah. and, and not seeing, right, right, right. Not seeing yeah. color or race or anything and just going, oh, that's just how, that's how it is. Yeah. And then growing up, just automatically conditioned to be a, more tolerant than they might right. have been otherwise. Well, and I love that they put the Russian on, who was who, who could not be oh, of more course. of an enemy. I mean, seriously, yeah. Yeah. You know. seriously. Yeah. What were well, you going to say? No, no, and and the Japanese as well. I mean, you know, it was yeah, terrible. Was Twenty plus years after my father had been in World War Two. Yeah. So I mean, he he made a lot of statements there. It's it's really interesting because it was the young college students that kept Star Trek on the air, and they were looking at it the way you say. And there's an interesting quote by DC Fontana where she says that you know uh, basically when the South said there were stations of the South said that we won't carry your show because it's got a, a black lieutenant on it, and apparently my father's response was, "F off, that's fine, don't carry it," and I I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. That's fantastic. I didn't know if we could swear on your show. You can say hey. fuck off. Can, say, can I say fuck off? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So fuck, off, fuck off, you damn hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. That's and then uh, and, I would, and then ultimately those stations okay. would have come around. But what about the episode where they have the interracial kiss? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Let's be honest. Their lips don't meet. Yeah. It's, I, it's funny we had this what? discussion. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're going to get since to that. Since I was yeah. a child. Yeah, we're going to get to since that. Since I was a child, I'm like, yeah. there's plausible deniability here. If anything really went down, where well, they'd be like, well, they never actually kissed in the. There's a little bit of a cop-out. There's two bits of a cop-out because they're under alien control. Yeah. All right. So they're yeah. not acting out of their own accord. And with the way that camera angle is yeah. and yeah. Kirk kind of leans turns her in away. and yeah. turns yeah. And they say that they did it, but I disagree. I, I don't necessarily see it. God, I, I don't want to spoil I, anything for Mission Log, but I, we have to address yeah. it. I wonder yeah. how much of this has taken a life of its own. This is something yeah. that I kind of wrestle with. You yeah. know, how much of the Star Trek 
I don't know if lore is the right word, but all the stuff that I kind of pull out of it from the fans, how much of that is there? Lore is Data's evil brother. (laughs) (laughs) Good call. And Matt Matt wins the podcast. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) Well, and and how much has just sort of evolved over the years? And and I'm not suggesting one or the other. I'm just very curious to look at that when we're done with the original season and as we keep going. We've we've had this talk where we've said, okay, if you look at the original series and you look at it under the, the context of just making the show, like so yeah your father comes in and he creates the idea but then the first thing you do is hire a team of mm-hmm. people who can do this and the the rigors of week to week some episodes are going to be horrible some episodes are going to be great you hope that some of them have a, a good idea in them but then it's not until the 70s that he starts doing the lecture circuit where you really right. see that he pieces it together as a philosophy so i i firmly believe that the philosophy kind of came second that the show was happening and they were really trying to cram in all these ideas and kind of looking at the world around them. What 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 do we want to see change? What are the good uh, kind of progressive ideas that are out there? Let's just try to fit it all in there. But then you have to take a step away from it to actually form it into something that becomes a, a philosophy or a, or a point of view. And I want to drop in a quick plug here. You just said the lecture series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just launched a website called Trek Initiative and it's with Wikia. And on that, we've got some exclusive content. One of those is a really awesome, uh, uh, my, my father did a lecture at Auburn University. And we actually found a recording of that. And so we have it on the site. There. Oh, that's cool. And it's, it's in these state, lectures man. that you're like, wow, you know, this guy wasn't full of it. He actually kind of knew what he was talking about. Those, <laughs> those have been probably the most uh, uh, influential to me in terms of like who Gene Roddenberry was, listening to those lectures. See, I love that he came to Auburn, Alabama in the 70s. And I saw him in Birmingham in like 1981 or 82 or something like that. And so he would go to these places that were yeah. not, you know, kind of a little off the map. So what do you that think cool. the show... What do you think the big things that the show got right and what do you think the big things that the show got wrong in terms of like social commentary? Well, I mean, in terms well, of the things... eugenics war didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yet. It's coming. Yet. It's right. Well, it, right. Supposedly. In yeah. fact, uh, May 17, 14 years too late. Yeah. I don't, you, you know, you think about the things that it got wrong. I, I don't necessarily think it, it... Certainly sexism is a tough thing to deal with mm-hmm. and practically every episode of Mission Log we're calling out some horrible sexism. Right. Mm-hmm. Just totally ignoring the woman's opinion. Isn't that funny? It's like, you know, oh, we're making yeah. a grand statement of all these other things yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, let's keep her over in the corner. You exactly. Know, it's like it, exactly. It's like yeah, just yeah, totally yeah. missing that yeah, part. Yeah, the right, original right. series treats women like the next gen treated Worf. <laughs> Really killing with the Star Trek fans, Chris. <laughs> I just I'm glad you're gonna announce your you're gonna your Klingon initiative. We gotta get them some equal rights, guys. <laughs> but you you know, you put Uhura up rightfully on a pedestal and you go, look, this is really progressive. You have a black woman in a position of power, not only in a position of power, but there are episodes where they say, You're the only one who can do this. You know, and, and that's that's heavy stuff for, for a, a crew of 400 plus people and they're singling out her as the one who can save the day. That's really cool. But then you refer to the other, you know, every yeoman is female and even Captain Pike and then Captain Kirk has the same line later on. If I ever find the guy who assigned me a female yeoman, you know, it's like, really? Really? This is what it's come down to? So there's stuff like that that really does not sit well with a modern audience. But Well, is the end of that sentence, I'll thank him? Yeah, right, because she's awesome. (laughs) Um, But the things that I'm finding more interesting to deal with are like um, the episode Who Mourns for Adonai Mm -hmm. is about questioning God. 
And Star Trek has done that from time to time, and it's done that better or worse in other times. But that's bold stuff for 1960s TV. Or it's, blind faith. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. generalize it a little bit more, sure. but yeah, but yeah. that one definitely. But, 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 and you look at faith from, from different angles, like with Vol, with the app. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a popular television show on network right now, if they questioned God, would get just as much shit as the 1960s, yeah. possibly more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. To, if, I think they would too. If, yeah, if, yeah. If, People if are a, much more vocal today. Yeah, if that. a show yeah, yeah. questioned the existence of God yeah. as just as one of their characters, just as in one of their storylines. Yeah. There would be a a shit storm. Yeah. Press, letter writing, pick, like people would go fucking ballistic. So I don't think that's changed. Well, you can do that a little bit kind of under the radar. You can have a character like House. Right. Okay, who, who's definitely a non-believer, you know, but... But he's also... But House's character is also... Uh, <laughs> Irreparably broken, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, so, right, right. You know, like so he's definitely a, the antihero. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, very, yeah. he's very much the antihero. Yeah. Like you wouldn't just have. You, you, I don't. I don't think a hit show would just have like a normal family of atheists. Right. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they do have them yeah. with Mormons. Y- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess you mean big love. You're talking about big love. Big love. Yeah. 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 But you find stuff like that, you, the whole idea of like self-determination, individual freedom, you know, these are the big things that keep cropping up throughout. And then uh, one of the early episodes that we did that I was so impressed with, um, uh, again, I'll give credit to my co-host Ken Ray, the Corbomite Maneuver. Right. The end of that episode isn't about uh, Clint Howard looking weird and creepy as a baby alien. The end of that episode is about Kirk saying, no, 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 all right, they just scared us, they damaged our ship, they did all these terrible things for us. Therefore, we have to go over there and help them because now now they're damaged. And uh, I forget the crewman who's who's totally opposed to this, yeah. totally terrified. And Kirk's like, no, 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 this is what we do. And Ken made a really great point about how when we espouse these high ideals and he, and he tied it back to politics today. You know, when we talk about places like Gitmo and, and all these, it's like, no, no, no. If we're going to say that we are better than that, if we're going to have laws, we're going to have rule of law where we hold ourselves at high standard, we have to act like that. We can't just say that we have that law and yay, America, we're, we're doing it right. No, we have to behave in the way that we say we are better and we are evolved and we are moral. That's the really cool stuff that pops up out of Star Trek to me. Did Clint Howard do his own voice? Oh no! Oh, God! Yeah. Wait! 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 Who? Who voiced him? I can't remember now. I'm Baylock. I, I hope you treasure this Tranya as much as I. <laughs> you can see the uh, right. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the and then and, uh, Adam Carolla did it in the uh, Shatner roast. Oh no, no! 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 Wait! Wait! I'm sorry. They they did bring back Clint Howard for that, but I I want to say that Adam Carolla voiced it or somebody did. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Um, I don't know if uh, I know. I, I know I've told you this before, Rod. But I, when I went, I went to UCLA. I worked at uh, Bel Air Country Club. Oh, that's right. Parking cars. Well, I worked everywhere in that club. I worked in the bag room. I caddied. I worked in the. I worked in the parking lot, and um, I, on a couple of occasions, uh, drove your dad home because they lived around right. the corner. Right. And uh, your mom threw a Christmas party one year. And uh, we parked the cars on the facing the wrong way, and a parking enforcement came by. They were all on the on the side of the road, but facing in the opposite right, direction. Right. Which it turns out, yeah, you're not allowed to do. So these Slightly parking enforcement people illegal. ticketed every single car. So at the end of this Christmas party, 
We had to walk in with a stack of tickets and be like, thanks, uh, here. <laughs> Sorry. Do we still get a tip? So I feel like I personally owe the Roddenberry family probably $300. Well, well, well we can get a check later. I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I humbly apologize. But I always felt... There, I'll, I'll tell you what, that wasn't the worst story. One of them was when a car was parked, a yellow Porsche, uh, when the owner came out to it, it was gone. Oh. They were putting the keys on the top wheel. <gasps> and so someone came by, grabbed the keys, took the Porsche. Hey, look at these cars. They just put the keys right on yeah. the wheel. So, they want so, you to steal yeah. it. So so your story is, yeah, you're, you're safe. Okay, you're good. Fine. I'm wow. glad. I'm yeah. glad. Because working that parking lot kept me afloat during college because uh, the money was good. It was Bel Air. Like, the tips were really good. Yeah. And so when you- What's your you... typical tip? That's what I want to know. Were you a caddy uh, there? Caddy's I, got I, ca- I caddied there, too. Caddy's- Got a lot. Yeah, but I hated caddying because I did not like- um, dog left, right on the. Uh, no, I didn't. Dog left. <laughs> <laughs> on the I didn't. Uh, I didn't like carrying the ravine on on ten. Sure, sure. Because uh, you'd have to go over the bridge yeah. at Bel Air. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and but uh, uh, but what I didn't really like was the seriousness that rich people take the game of golf. Uh, I felt too much pressure as a caddy. Like, if I fuck something up, they're gonna be really mad, and I can't take that pressure because they were really like. Some of them were nice, but some of them were dicks. Yes, and were. you just did not want to. I mean, these were like very wealthy, very uh, you know uh, uh, privileged points of view. You know what the membership is to Bel Air? I think it it's, used to be like a hundred. That's a lot. That's a lot. No, I think it's three hundred thousand a year. Now it's three three hundred yeah. now. Like yeah. to wow. join before it was like uh, one. 80 or 200 or something. It was fucking, yeah. it was Holy insane. Crap. And so, they, you know, obviously these guys take that very seriously and I couldn't handle that pressure of being like, sorry, I lost your ball. Maybe don't slice. I brought a friend in <laughs> once to dinner. My parents would have dinner there quite often and they looked at my friend and said, who brought the terrorist? Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he was Who's sl- a little they? bit dark. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's yeah. fucking wow. awful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's uh, that, that, that was a bummer. That, that was a real big bummer. <laughs> I, I, I don't have many fond memories there. And I also didn't uh, really enjoy, you know, I was the same age as some of the kids of the, of the yeah. members. And some of them, you know, some of the kids were kind of like, hey, park my car, keep it close. You know, like that kind of thing. We're like, we're, yeah. we're, yeah. we're the same age. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't earn this. Your dad just... <laughs> Every time I came there, I hung out with the staff. That was more fun. Or I went down to the golf course and... Would like run across dodging golf balls, but that would be my fun at Bel Air Country Club. Oh, did that's you, fun. Uh, did you yeah. play? They, my parents tried to get me into golf numerous times. Um, I couldn't do it. I, could, I just like hitting the ball really hard, and I didn't care where it went. I, it, usually, it, did nev- it never went never straight. straight yeah. Never straight. They were it. really, really into golf. I mean, you've me? got like, no, they were. You have like um, hours and hours of home video yeah, footage of yeah, them they playing loved golf, golf. Yeah. riveting. <laughs> Riveting, like all golf video. All golf, <laughs> and so uh, so to answer your question, how much would I make a night? So, yeah. you know, you'd make um, you'd make a, a minimum wage salary, but it was all tips. Yeah. So if I worked, if, so if I worked during the day, like just a regular golf day, you know, I could probably walk away with like fifty or sixty bucks uh-huh. um, as a you know not one of the heads of the parking lot. But if you would work a party, uh-huh. especially around the holidays, there were a lot of parties. You know, like whatever birthday parties yeah. and it was a nighttime event at the club you would get a base of like 50 or 60 bucks and then tips on top of that so as a college student in the early 90s for a night of running around parking cars you know i could make 120 150 dollars 
which was pretty fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Because you know my at, at that time, you know, your rent is like we have a bunch of roommates, and my rent's like three hundred bucks a month. So uh. if I work a couple parties, I've got my rent covered. So it was a really fantastic job. Um, even though you know, I, I don't know if I ever felt fully comfortable there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a good job to have. Yeah, one hundred twenty five dollars closer to that two hundred thousand dollar membership. I yeah, mean, that's they, right. Yeah, obviously. Well, I yeah. put it all yeah. into that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you guys get to play on any day? Like Mondays. Mondays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to play on Mondays. We had Mondays too. But it, but oddly, uh, a lot of times I did not go back there because I didn't have to be there. <laughs> Oh, sure. So I was like, oh, you know. They're clever. I don't have to be here this day, so Just I'm not going to go in. 10 to 15 years, guess who's going to be a member? Oh, I'm not. God. He's going to be sitting oh, there in the lounge. God. You know, honestly, even I if hope. I had a billion dollars, I, I don't know if I could do it. Oh, I, I don't know if I could write a $300,000 check to go play golf somewhere. I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys can be my force. Well, you can come on down. And then there were, you know, there were sort of like uh, rival rivalries with all. There was like Los Angeles country club and then there was uh, uh, I don't remember what some of the other ones were um, there's one in Century City uh, was Wilshire River country River River Riviera Riviera. Riviera there you yeah, go Riviera yeah. country club there was all that but um, let's let's stop talking about golf <laughs> let's talk about space golf <laughs> let's talk, space there you go golf. did Captain Kirk play golf how old was Please, how old no. was Kirk when he was captain of the Enterprise not how old was Shatner but how old was Kirk was 34. he like 35 okay, 34 because he actually it, have an age? well we're watching the deadly years and he goes I'm 34 uh, I'm 34 but he looks like a you know 65 yeah. year old man although I read that Shatner um, did not want to be made up as old as the others. Like that—that that was part of his stipulation in that episode. He—he, he, you know, a little bit of ego at play there. Yeah. He's the captain. He's the star of the show. He doesn't want to look quite as bad. They made D. Kelly look like he was 102. Question: Does yes. he look better now, or does he look better in Deadly Years? He looked better then. He looked better in Deadly Years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, well, I, I, I love I love Shatner. He was wrinklier in Deadly Years, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Well, and he was because he figured guy. out he, he was... figured out God's uh, gift to wrinkles, which is just get fat and you won't get wrinkled. <laughs> right? Is that that's the Shatner way? <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Oh well, I better do something about this. <laughs> he was, you know, he, he was his fighting weight back then. But yeah. they say he was thirty-four. He says he was thirty-four. Yeah. I think Shatner at the time was a year or two older. But uh, yeah, and then they're supposed to age like thirty years every day, something like that. But, uh, oh, in that, oh yeah, in, yeah. in that episode, I was like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. In warp speed. Oh, come on, it, keep I, up with me. I, yeah. I know you oh, know. I know. I know you know your but Star Trek. But now I just want to yeah. see exactly how old uh, Shatner. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to say he was 35 because I think he was born in 1932. Well, he's 80, 80 81 now. So, okay. um, so just go back 42 years. So yeah, he would have been 35, 36, yeah. 37. They shot it in 67 that episode. Yeah. So yeah, we're all great at math. Uh, yeah Shatner born in 31 31 okay so he was 36 when Mm -hmm. they made episode all right so he was only playing a couple years younger yeah I saw totally uh, believable I saw Leonard Nimoy last night oh at the uh, EW I went to the EW screening and he sang Bilbo he did. Bilbo. Oh, that's what I heard. That's what Bilbo everybody was tweeting about that he sang I was there and then I had to leave because I'm leaving town so I had to Oh. It's boring. I had to fucking go home and do laundry. <laughs> like, I gotta leave. Did you watch Star Trek? No, I didn't see it last yeah, night. I just I night. just hung out with um with I Nimoy and Jeff Boucher and and uh, and he's really he's really it's an affable, lovely guy uh, who just you know 
Yeah, he seems like a regular guy that I, happens to be Leonard Nimoy. I, I don't want to – this isn't really to besmirch anybody, but I, I do have a story just to, to describe the difference in the two. It would be my impression. I, I don't know them. I certainly you know, don't know them well at all. But um, for several years, I was shooting stuff for uh, one of the big convention uh, promoters, Creation. And um, I remember sitting backstage at Vegas, you and it's the big day. the devil. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> sitting backstage, and, and uh, it's the day that Shatner is going to be on stage the day that Nimoy is going to be on stage. And uh, we're there to shoot interviews. Um, uh, I, I'm filming, and uh, my girlfriend, the lovely Tella Vixen, who is to my left, is doing the interviews. And um, Shatner, it, it is insane. It, it's, you know, you're counting down as five minutes before he's on stage, and there's phone calls being made, and it's this entourage, this whirlwind, this hurricane of people coming in, and they've got him, and he's all worked up, and he's moving around, jumping around, and they announce his name, and boom, he runs in from the kitchen, he's on stage, he does his thing, and then he's gone. And that's the Shatner approach. Nimoy showed up an hour and a half ahead of time with his wife and their dog, and he just sat back there, and he just chatted with us, and he was totally chill. And uh, just sort of watching the world go by. And then they call his name on stage and he just sort of wanders up there. And 12-year-old boy in costume, had been there all weekend long, goes up to ask a question. And he says, uh, what's your name? And my name is James. Come up here, James. I want to introduce you to the audience. He does this. And then he says, uh, it, this was in 2008, leading into 2009. He goes, hey, look, uh, when the next Star Trek film premieres, I want you and your family to be my guests. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and he just totally underplayed it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fight you. Out when he got Hawaii. on stage, they're like, do you want to get the kids information? He's like, no, fuck it. I no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just get, said that. Get me out of here. Are you kidding <laughs> right? me? Are you shitting me right now? <laughs> but it, I, I, like that, to me, just sort of typifies the difference in the two. I, I, I heard that they're great friends and that they, you know, obviously the the legacy that they've shared together is is it would be impossible to recreate under any other circumstance. Um, but I just thinking about, you know, how is Nimoy to hang out with? I, I totally buy that, that he was chill and just a, a cool guy. In the middle of the earth, in, in the, the land, land of the Shire, Shire, comes a brave little hobbit whom, whom we, we all admire. admire. Oh, what's the next line? Uh, Something uh, that uh, fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy little, little toes. toes. He lives in his hobbit hole and, and everybody, everybody knows him. Bilbo. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. Baggins. Brain of the wild frontier is <laughs> all they do. Bravo, bravo, yeah. bravo, guys! Yeah. <laughs> nice. Coming on the the Nerdist album, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Everyone. For some reason, in the seventies, everyone they were just I, there was just like a recording renaissance. It's like, I, hey, yeah. you pick up a mic. Hey, Ironsides, right. pick <laughs> right. up a microphone. Right. Like everyone just fucking had an album or a sing a song. Well, I was did the LSD, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was telling somebody today. The they were like, "What is this?" I was showing somebody the the Bilbo thing. They're like, "Is this for real?" And I was like, "Yeah, you don't understand. If you were a TV star in the sixties or seventies, you had to make an album. And if you were Shatner, even if you couldn't sing, you did an album." And he did uh, The Transformed Man. And Lucy is, in the Sky. That, that was on there, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Tambourine. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. It's just him shouting that throughout the song. Every TV yeah. star. Columbo, uh, Falk Rock. <laughs> Falk Rock. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, really Everyone had really a bummer when he went electric. <laughs> <laughs> really ruined it after that. Falk Rock. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what it was. I guess they, they just, it was just that period where they're like, people will buy anything. Right. Fucking right. why not? Yeah. What's gonna what's gonna hurt? Let's just press an album. <laughs> Fucking people will buy it. Who gives yeah. a shit? 
Did yeah. you did you go to a lot of the conventions as a as a kid? Did you did you hit a lot of it? Yeah, as a kid, but I just saw everyone in costume. I just had a, a fun time running around. I, I again didn't get it, mm. so it was like uh, Halloween for me. I just mm. had so much fun. In fact, the best convention I ever went to was one that they had at the Hilton at Disney, and uh, I would always avoid the convention and try to go early to get on the rides. And uh, I went through the turnstile, 1985, oh, no. and won a car. <laughs> what? I won a car at Disney and was so pissed because I lost getting in front of all the lines. From winning a car? I was 12 years old. I was <laughs> what did they do with the car? Old. My parents eventually got it and ended up like selling it to someone. So <laughs> it was a beautiful, it was a 1986 Chevrolet Cavalier. Oh, oh the Cavalier. Was it Cavalier. A convertible? I hope was it was it white. Yeah. It was red. Oh, cherry red. Cherry yeah. red Cavalier. Yeah. It, was, it was horrible. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It, it, was, it was horrible. It was That's... really entertaining to watch you be very uncomfortable at a convention not long ago when, when a fan came up to the table and they're talking to you and they're talking about Grace Lee Whitney. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Grace Lee is great. I remember she won a car. And you're like, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She won it at Disneyland. Oh, oh, wow. That, that's really cool. No, no, no. Wait, wait. It, it wasn't Grace Lee. It was... Uh, it was Majel. Yeah, yeah, it was Majel Barrett who won a car. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, interesting. No, 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 it was her son. And you're like, yeah, that, that, that that's me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was my mom. Yeah. That's always, you win a car, that's almost like, <laughs> Mr. Burns wins the lottery. Right. And everyone's like, what the fuck? So everyone hates me for, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, out of everyone, who should win? <laughs> How is the... Uh... How are the fans to you? Are they cool with you, or do they feel like you don't get it? Are you, you know, like, are they? How are they? I, I, I pretty much get it all, but they're all really respectful. You know, the the I've got the best of both worlds. I've kind of got a, you know, fairly ah, famous yeah, great episode, <laughs> <laughs> part one or two. Um, I've got the best of both because you know I've got somewhat of a famous last name, but I'm not on screen. Like I'm not a celebrity. People don't know me. So at a convention, it's everyone's really kind of cool to me. But then you go online, and I was just reading something that said. Uh, is Rod Roddenberry a douche? <laughs> and oh. that, that was sorry. Um, sorry about that. Yeah, you started that. Like <laughs> yeah, that sorry, I what, what, so, wait, yeah. hang on. What was the conclusion you reached after reading that? I, I, I read through a bunch of them, and you try not to take these things personally. And then, you know, a lot of them are like, "Well, listen, I never met the guy, but," and they make some assumptions. Like, if he's never seen Star Trek, then he's a huge douche. And I'm like, "Well, I've I've, I've watched an episode or two, you know." But uh, so so they're all really nice to me. But okay. I know there's some out there who just think. You know, he should be doing Star Trek, you know, He's wasting his life. But wait, but I, I'll I'll defend you here for a second. Oh, I don't think it, I'm wasting my life. I'm very happy wait, with well, what I'm doing. Well, no, no, it's not not that. But about the Star Trek thing, like, um, you the, the whole mission log thing, all of this that this was your idea, and you, you're the one who came to me and came to Ken and said, you know, it evolved. You kind of originally just said, I, I want to watch Star Trek. No, but what I mean is I want to watch all of Star Trek. No, but I want to watch it all and I want to talk about it. But I want you to talk about right. it. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to do the work. Because I know you'll do a much better yeah, right. job than I will. Right. Yeah, that remains to be seen. Um, but all of this was your idea, and it was from a, a genuine interest in Star Trek. It wasn't just like, oh, I, I have to do this because i got to come up with something to do. You know, I, we rarely ever talked about Star Trek before getting into that. But then when we started, it was like, yeah, you, you're involved. You send us notes and you send us messages and you're like hey just watch this and i don't get this or i love this or i hate that let's talk about it yeah i'm doing the roddenberry star trek thing in my own way yeah you know. <laughs> absolutely your own notes yeah <laughs> so you when you were when you were coming up with this uh when you guys came up with mission log didn't you say that you basically had this archive of stuff 
of just letters and and things and objects and and you you actually and it's just all stuff that your dad is personal dad stuff. Yeah, he he collected everything. In fact, uh, there there's. You know what's amazing is that he actually would correspond directly to fans. We've got the the carbon copied paper that he would type on, and we've got these responses of all these fans that he would talk to. Um, every, not every call sheet, but a lot of call sheets, a lot of inner office memos. We got tons of material from you know 1966 on, and this is some really valuable stuff. We just did City on the Edge of Forever. Oh yeah. And, you know, for years we had had this document that I loved because there's been this feud between Harlan Ellison and my father mm. as to, you know, who, who did the better version of that. And uh, this was, it was the second draft, I believe. Yep. And Bob Justman was writing notes to my father. There's six plus pages. We've, we've lost like seventh and eighth. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of just tears the show apart as to why it wouldn't fit the format and why it's not Star Trek. He, he starts out by saying, and I just want to point out that the second draft that was due on this date was delivered three days late. And then he goes on point by point. And but he's pretty it, harsh. But it's really harsh, but it gets funnier and funnier. Yeah, and yeah. he'll just, he'll, he'll have a paragraph on a description of why something doesn't work. And then a new paragraph will just be like a sentence, like, Page eight, section A, made me extremely cruel to my wife and dog. Yes. <laughs> you know? It's like, wow, this is, uh, this is intense. But we, we had that, and we have a lot of original drafts, which is kind of cool. So you see mm -hmm. how a story changed drastically getting up to uh, uh, to its final script. So what was the biggest one of the... What, what's an episode that people would know that started out as something completely different? Oh, man. Well, uh, the, the endings in a lot of episodes have changed quite a bit. Uh, there's... Um, Oh gosh! The Corbinite uh, maneuver—it was a living creature at first, right? No, no, that, it was a doomsday. Machine. I'm sorry, doomsday, doomsday machine. machine was yeah. a living creature, and that—that right. that would have totally changed the point of view mm -hmm. of the episode. Doomsday machine, great episode, but it's just about destroying the machine. It's about the the Moby Dick story of uh, Captain Decker fighting this machine, but in one draft it was living and it's like well okay now wait a minute now we have an obligation to to try to reason with it try to understand it you just get rid of all of that in the final uh, episode operation annihilate i thought it was really interesting there's the one with the uh, remember the the space amoeba and one attaches yeah. itself to spock's back mm -hmm. yes not a yes. great episode okay let's be honest here not a great episode but in the original draft, not only do they destroy the planet that those people are on, there's like a million inhabitants of this planet that are overrun with this multicellular creature, you know. Um, they just they say, okay, yeah, this is the only way to do it. We have to wipe this thing out and then destroy every trace of this alien. And that's kind of a downer yeah. for the ending. You they know? kill millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought the needs of the many outweighed the needs of the one. Well, but they found a way around it in the uh, in the <laughs> final. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, because it, they they're trying to make the case that these aliens are going toward other places, they're going to destroy other planets, and Kirk kind of wrestles with it. Ken and I disagree. I think he's really wrestling with that problem. Ken says, "Nah, he's Kirk. He's going to find a way out. You know, he'll figure it out. Yeah, he's not going to destroy the. He's planet. very good." He is. Captain, He's been very lucky. Yeah. On many occasions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any Star Trek questions? Uh, what do you? That's a very vague question. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the answers. I don't, what do I have questions? I know for? you have a lot of the answers, but was there anything that you were always curious about? Matt, uh, I think we should have you on as a guest sometime. Oh, sure. Yeah. To yeah. talk about yeah. a show. Anytime. Yeah. Once well, you get to TNG, Spock's brain. Know. Spock's brain. Oh, definitely. Yes. Or space hippies. Space hippies or Spock's brain. You want to bore me to death. Way to eat. The uh, I actually want to rant. I just want you on the show and just for you to go off and rant. <laughs> you do. Matt's really funny when he's in rant mode. You have yeah. me. Have me on after the new movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're in rant mode. You're going to rant oh, mode. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see it? You saw it? Haven't saw seen it yet. No. I, I saw haven't it. seen it yet. Oh, you you haven't it? seen really? it yet? You no, haven't seen it. No. I saw it. Oh. I don't, who, do, who do you know? How do I get in on that? <laughs> Damon. Oh. Wow. All right. You got to know You got to know people. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but do you think, uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to think of a, a good question. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Moral struggle. No, nope, don't have any <laughs> continuity question. Eh, there's not a ton of continuity problems for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doesn't even have to be from uh, TOS. Yeah, no, I know. Listen, I'm racking my brain here. Uh, why? Why? Enterprise. <laughs> why Enterprise? Here's the misstep. Here's oh, the no. misstep. With oh, it, no. here's the, here's it's such a cool idea. No, it's not. No, no, why? No, no it's not. On. You don't think? You don't, no. you don't think the first? No, I don't. I don't, because then it's just it just becomes retcon at that point. That's all. That's all it is. It's retcon. I don't give a shit if you <laughs> just don't throw this fucking bullshit enterprise that didn't exist until Rick Berman was like, "We need more money," and then he's like, "I'm gonna make this," and then that's what happened. Wait, I, I will say in Rick's defense, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the he wanted to wait before making Enterprise. He wanted to wait like a couple of years yeah, yeah. and actually plan out the show. And it, it was the network and, and the studio that basically said, look, if you don't do it, we're going to get somebody else who will. We have to make the show now. Well, that's the, and it could have been a very, very different show. Even, so even, entirely, even had they, I know that the United Paramount though. Network was very po- powerful Huge, at the yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> but my, problem, my problem with that was always that Star- I always felt like Star Trek was always let's look to the future and let's keep moving forward. And I felt like there were even I felt like having a prequel, the stakes changed to there not being really any stakes because you know there's not going to be a terrible situation that wipes out Earth or anything like that because they're dealing with canon that they've already established. So I think that moving backwards and and looking at like you know the technology and it just gets I mean and I and I, I I like it. I like it when they find the Constitution class ship. Like that's fun for a fan to see. You know, yeah. they find it, the Constitution. That's that's fan wink. But yeah, yeah, but that stuff. It's just like well, I mean, you're just like so you're establishing. No, I will hit the table, Christopher. <laughs> Back away. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, you're very upset. There's just like it just becomes a thing of like, well, I mean, now you got you got us looking at this technology, and then now you're telling us that this is the cool, super fast technology, even though it looks like it's from the '60s. Why don't we just leave that in the past and then move forward with the story? Like. I feel like they should have just done something, maybe set twenty years after uh, D Space Nine, and and done something there, or maybe done something ten years after you know TNG happened. But it was all a hologram did. simulation, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> bloated. So Frakes. none of it really happened. You had the bloated Jonathan Frakes. And... <laughs> God damn it! I love Jonathan. He's a delight and uh, very kind. Uh, but uh, really. Come on, he didn't fit in that uniform. Let's not, <laughs> let's not argue with that. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just at this point, don't. That's what I'm saying. How about we do a tour uh, of a show called Q and A, and it's uh, John Delancey and Hester Prynne. Okay. Uh, and they're basically just. <laughs> I don't know why I just pulled this out. <laughs> I kind of just broke I'm Kyle. <laughs> ready? I'm ready. <laughs> No, I don't know. I didn't. No, but like, I just didn't. I didn't like the idea of moving backwards. I think it should have always moved forwards. I think that's the that was the problem. That was my problem with Enterprise. Wow. That my problem with Enterprise was that it moved backwards. You don't want to see the prequel stuff. I didn't want to see the prequel stuff. Well, I disagree. It's uh, okay. But what about the? But what about what about what about when uh, uh, with the movie with uh, Jamie James Cromwell with the warp signature where he's uh, oh, first contact yeah, first what contact about, yeah. what about yeah. it. Does that bother you because that's sort of prequely? No, it's not prequely at all. It's time travel. 
you, you know, it's 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 that, it that's fine. Yeah. But you're still but you're still going back and seeing. Yeah, I don't mind time travel. Don't bring me on a story adventure with these people that never existed. Like, there's no Captain Archer. You know, I don't. I, I just don't. I just. I didn't like it. I didn't like. Well, there is backwards. now. I mean, it, it, according to the JJ timeline, there is Enterprise there is, is the only canon. Yes, Star Trek. There is. Uh, this is uh, not for me. It, yeah. It's not a spoiler. I'm just going to say this right now. There is a. There's a lovely shot in the new Star Trek movie, uh, panning across a desk at Starfleet. Where it has all of the ships, including NX01. Oh, cool! Oh, so good. That's, cool, that's cool. in there. I will say that. Like, have you heard this theory about the the correct order to watch the Star Wars movie? We go four, yes. five, one, yeah. two, three, and then six. Yeah. So I kind of have a similar thing about Enterprise. Like, I, I like Enterprise starting with the fourth season because that is the most prequely out of all of them, and yeah. it really does tie into the original series, and it's so good. That then I was invested in the characters. I never even got that far. That, oh, well, see, yeah. there you go. There you go. I watched season four. Then I went back and I was like, okay, now I like the characters. Now I like all this stuff. So I can forgive it the really crappy episodes yeah. in the first couple of seasons. That's the weird thing about TV now, and particularly Star Trek. I mean, Enterprise was on when internet message boards and and internet forums really had some sway and really had a lot of traction. Mm. So here's all the people writing the show and and fans maybe discovering the show, finding all this this vociferous outcry about how horrible the show and how could they do this. I feel like had the same thing occurred when Next Gen went on the air, there would not be a Next Gen. There would have been season one, maybe season two, and and then it would be gone. I remember uh, feeling a great deal of distaste towards the Next Generation because of my, you know, fandom of the original series. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you know, but that 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 again that that grew on me too. And I think that it really everything finds its legs in the third yeah. season. Yeah. Really, I guess Star Trek's more everything finds its legs in the fourth season because right. that's when War shows up on DS9, and yeah, that's yeah. you know that's when they really sort of figure out the next generation. A lot of people say three is the, but I don't. I feel like three has a lot of. It's still got a lot of kinks to work out until you get sure. towards the end of. But season you know, three. this kind of goes back to that original question, though, about is does Star Trek really have that power, or is it because the fans have kind of it's kind of this selective remembering of of the really good stuff, and they kind of just forget or push to the side the the episodes that weren't so good. I, I think there's a lot of that, you know, a lot of bad. I, I'd episodes. say more yeah. so in the original series than Next Gen, though. Yeah, well, but I mean, what the first, wait, the, wait, the first wait, few wait, seasons wait, wait, wait. of Next Gen <laughs> were really up. rocky. Yeah, you know, I remember watching that uh, the the premiere episode Encounter at Farpoint, uh-huh. just going, "Oh, really? It's a jellyfish? That's what I was excited about." Yeah, <laughs> no. And then next week, The Naked Now. Really? That's the pre- it, yeah. It's the same <laughs> episode, episode as I saw before. It, yeah, yeah. I, uh, Next Gen was painful the first season or two. I, I enjoyed it. I did. I liked the first episode, too. Really? Yeah. Well, see, that, that's an episode it's that a, has... It's a lot more watchable in HD, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, the Blu-rays, oh, the Blu-rays are, are awesome. unreal. Yeah. Oh, unreal. They're but I, I watched it and I go, okay, yeah, here's a Star Trek episode with, with a message, and it is classic Star Trek in that. But it's just seemingly awful. It just feels every more, other more refined and better put together. I, I mm. went back and watched all the data episodes because mm-hmm. my favorite character for sure. Mm. And it, it just, every episode felt solid. Not great. Yeah, yeah. 
but very solid. I've been watching, obviously, some of these original series ones, and as I'm, you I'm must watching have skipped them, a fistful of Data's <laughs> <laughs> or Data's Day. Data's Day, I enjoy because yeah. he's writing to Maddox, who All wanted right. to take him apart, and I'm like, oh, Data, you're friends with this guy. He wanted to disassemble you and take you to Starfleet. That's nice. Yeah, uh, just just original series is very blocky for me. We just watched yeah. a few episodes where I feel like they they just randomly cut some things in. Yeah, so Freddy's it, Child. Yeah. just like, oh, why? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I'm not saying there aren't those episodes in Next Gen, but maybe it's just because there's so many more episodes that I feel like there's a lot more good ones. Well, there are certainly, yeah. I mean, they had. And so I many also more grew chances. up. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I grew up with Next Gen, and it's not the original. Right. So that was sort of my first, and that's yeah. how I got into Star Trek. Yeah. So maybe it's just you know bias. Well, yeah, no, and I just I. I, I in later in life I don't know when I decided that I was more of a next gen fan than I was of the original series but like I watch the next gen like I've seen that I don't know how many times and then you know what happened 2 weeks ago found an episode I've never seen what how was that possible <laughs> it was like they just made it for me that was that must be it was and I was certain I had terminal illness and someone had found my wish wait wait which episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah which one uh it was the it was from season seven where the uh enterprise gains consciousness oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean not a great yeah not a great episode but I'll take it. I'm pretty sure that over the course of doing Mission Log, there's a lot of Star Trek I have not seen. Like, there's a lot of storylines that I know. There's a lot of imagery that I know. I grew up with the original series. Yeah. So, you know, as a kid in the 70s, like, that was Star Trek. Yeah. You know, and, and you only knew that cast. And then Next Gen came along, and I was wildly disappointed by the pilot. But I, I, was, I was kind of there for it. But then I outgrew it, and I just didn't care about Star Trek at all for a yeah. very, very long time. And I resented Next Gen because uh, I auditioned for Wesley, uh -huh. and uh, some other pinhead got the role, <laughs> so dummy. I hated, hated, hated that show for a long it time. It was uh, yeah. Corey... Yeah, oh, one of the Corys. Yeah. A jerk. <laughs> what a jerk. I, I, I was literally a Star Trek, like a closeted Star Trek fan throughout high school, and I actually remember this very vivid situation of, like, uh, my friend was over... And she opened my closet door, and inside my closet door, I don't know why, but I had a Generations poster in my closet door <laughs> yeah. with half of Picard and half yeah. of... She's uh, like, you like Star Trek? And I was like, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> I'm out. Oops. Yep. And then I was just like, fuck <laughs> it. I'm all bored. I'm, you know, I just, and I went crazy, and I just got The day DVDs. you came out of the Star Trek closet. Yeah, it was a great day. I literally it, came out of the You know, what's really closet. cool is that we interviewed Rob Zombie a number of years ago, and in that interview, he brought his Captain Kirk shirt to the interview to show us that you know he was a Star Trek geek when he was a kid. Oh, Rob used to go to the he used to go to the fan conventions in the seventies. Wow, really? Yeah, cool. he would he wow. would go. Uh, he would. I don't remember what he was saying if it was like Boston or New York or whatever. But he like he grew up in Massachusetts and he would like you know that his parents his dad would take him and he would go, he was just a little kid and they would go and uh, and you know and it was a you know he described the event as like it was a much. You know, obviously very small compared yeah. to today, but it yeah. really was. Well, I was a he kid. used to go to those. I was a kid in the heyday of the creation conventions, mm -hmm. like 91, right. 92, 93, like those. That was like, and I would go into Boston and see all the conventions like that. And then I would buy weird videotapes of like, you know, you'd buy that SNL with Shatner on right. it. Like that's a thing <laughs> right. you could buy from somebody with like a shitty <laughs> right. label on it. Right. I, I got to say, there's yeah. nothing about that that surprised me when I look at you. Yeah. Of course, when I think of Rob Zombie, I think a little different. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that because Matt's wearing a bright red shirt that says expendable on it where <laughs> exactly. the A is the Federation logo? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I think, I think he wears his geek proud. I think Rob just really hasn't come out of that closet yet. Yeah. It's possible. 
Listen, I'm all for it. I love I love Star Trek. I think I when love. I was when I was about seven, when the motion picture came out, uh-huh. and remember they so they had the blue long sleeve pajama type yep. uniforms, yeah. but then Kirk had that short sleeve white, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. And Shatner's looking good, and he can wear that. I had that like seven year old John had that shirt, and I remember wearing it to school a lot. And then the one day I got made fun of, it's like it went into the drawer and never saw the light of day again. Six, and then I went into the Star Trek closet right. for a number of years, for decades. And, uh, <laughs> In sixth grade, I showed up to a Halloween party with all my friends, and I was dressed as Scotty. Like that's <laughs> uh-huh. that was what I like made. Yeah. I like made like a Star Trek insignia with like out of cardboard, and then covered it with tinfoil. Like I made it myself. Right, <laughs> right. And I was the yeah. coolest kid to myself uh, and no one else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it's just it's it's really for me. It's just been a thing that's just like this been this nice constant in my life since I you know was a child. It's just always been. It's always it's always there. You know, well, no matter what's happening in life, I can. Always watch Captain Picard do something that Kirk wouldn't do. And now they're making new episodes for you. Yeah, so, I know. It's very exciting. Find huh? a new episode. It's like when I found those new episodes of Frasier on Netflix. Netflix is great. How is this possible? Cause and Effect is a good episode. Kelsey Grammer is in that yeah. as the captain of the Bozeman. Uh-huh. There are some episodes of shows where you, th- I, I think they, I don't know, sometimes episodes of things get buried. And even no matter how much you think, like, oh, I've seen every episode of this thing, somehow. Yeah, you always miss something. You're always, you're always. I mean, your life will eventually. You're not going to be around. Like, I'm not going to watch even Game of Thrones. You say it's ten episodes a season, whatever. You're not going to. There's probably going to be a weekend where you forget to watch it or something like that. And then eventually, twenty years down the road, you'll find it again. Yeah, that's what y'all have to look forward to. That's beautiful. Thank this you. was a beautiful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I really yeah. feel good. So Mission Log, uh, Mission Log currently, uh, we're running on the, the Nerdist Network, which is, you can get on iTunes or the Nerdist website, uh, nerdist.com. And uh, you're just, you've just started the second season? or Yeah, just... we're, we're about eight episodes into the second season, somewhere around there. So we've got about 13 years to go. Yeah, you'll be yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I, I posed this question to our listeners. I said, okay, when we're done with the original series, we'll do the animated series because it's rad. <laughs> All right? I, I'm right, yes. But you have <laughs> right. to you have to have, like, weird... Oh, my God, that... Uh, the animated Star Trek series, I fucking... I think it was that Lou Scheimer... yeah. It was uh, all filmation. Filmation yeah. stuff. It's rad. It's so great. <laughs> so just a product of that period. Yeah. Just those stiff upper bodies uh-huh. and the you know, the cheap you know, the yeah. cheap animation. It's like animation is supposed to be seventeen frames a second, I think, and their twelve. Show, yeah. 12? Okay, and their shows are about three. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well animation I should be I think it's six yeah. or something. An- like animation that. Like, is it yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, real animation is, like, 24 frames per second. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Television animation, 12, and then you would shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, to do it cheaper, they would just hold on a frame longer. Or there's, like, you know, other pieces would... Well, yeah. we'll just keep this part static, and we'll just draw. You a get to hear yeah. a yeah. lot of uh, James Doohan voices all over that. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, throughout he it. And if you're yeah, watching yeah. old animation and you notice that someone, like a piece of their body, is shaded different than another piece, that's literally the cell layers. Right. Like you can't stack more <laughs> yeah. than two or three cell layers on top of each other because yeah. if you do, the you bottom cell layers get dark. Yeah. Because yeah. they just, you know, they create the, yeah, they create right. the, but uh, I fucking love that too. Well, so we're going to do the animated. We may double up. We may do like a couple episodes a week or a couple of animated episodes per podcast. And then we do some of the movies. I'm thinking we do some of the movies, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, 
And you should that, just you should go chronologically as far as like date is concerned. Yeah, but see, like, that's the hard part because you have so much overlap mm-hmm. when you get into next gen DS9 in the movies. But it's I mean, really... it's pretty easy to find the original air date. And oh, if we, you're bouncing, uh, if you're bouncing like from season, you know, season one of DS9 and season five of of TNG. Yeah. I mean, you're, so what? You're we, we actually have listeners who sent us spreadsheets of every air, air date, date, the order, everything. So I mean, we could do it, but we, we got to I don't decide. think we're going to break up a season, though. Yeah? And they would just yeah, go straight through Next Gen and then straight through DS9? Yeah, well, we can, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. I think it'd be interesting. But, but, but yeah, so we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. It'll take us about 13 years to and, get through. And I haven't told you the plan. The plan is after 14 years oh, and we're done. Oh, God, what now? We're going to start again. Because, <laughs> you know. Your point of view will be different then. Yeah, right, right. I'll be, You'll have evolved. Oh, well, man. you might have another series on your hands. Oh, I'm yeah, not going right, to have I mean? these guys on it. You kidding me? I'm going to be bored to death of them after 14 years. <laughs> get it. Me too. <laughs> me is there anything, too, is there anything being planned, uh, Star Trek-wise, that is there anything? I mean, do they do they come to the Roddenberry... No, no, no. My my father, uh, you know, basically like like anyone else in Hollywood, sort of sold those rights in the '60s when he when he got the the deal to do Star Trek. Yeah, and so he retained some creative control while he was alive. But unfortunately, when he passed away, uh, that all went with him. Okay. So so they don't come to us. JJ's team was very nice to sort of, you know, uh, uh, come to us and sort of ask for our blessing for the last movie, and that was very nice of them because that'd been sort of the first time anyone had ever done that. Oh wow! So they they've been they've been good to us. Of any podcast that Jonah wasn't here for, yeah. this was probably the one that made the most sense for him to not <laughs> be here. He fences it, and then he <laughs> and then he gets married and takes gets, a honeymoon. He gets hipster sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks, Good to see man. you, John and Rod great. and yeah. Matt Meyer and everyone else in the room. Good, to, good to see you, Kyle. It's on the floor and Katie, and we got to get out of this hot box we're in in the meltdown. We get yeah. some air. Sure, yeah, I'm yeah. on board. Thanks for having us, man. In the middle of the earth, in the land of the Shire, comes a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. He's fuzzy wiggle toes, lives in his hobbit hole, and everybody knows him. Matthew, Matthew Myra, he's only three feet tall. I hate the hobbit. I hate Lord of the Rings. Enjoy your burrito. Yay. All right. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 700,000 high-quality video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code NERDIST5. NERDIST and the number 5. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.